Welcome to Church Ahead, the weekly Christian podcast talking about big questions facing the future of church with Rev L all the way from the north of England. Episode 42, Fittest Survive, is our third and final episode about evolution. Herbert Spencer brought a controversial twist to evolution. He took Charles Darwin's evolution by natural selection and introduced the phrase survival of the fittest. He uses the term fitness in the technical sense of reproduction and passing on your genes, but many people did not like this. They took offence to the implication some people are unfit. They feared the concept being applied to an individual when it really applies to the species And they didn't like the implication of this talk about competition, as though life is simply dog eats dog. Social Darwinism, as it's often called, felt like the top dogs of society trying to find dodgy scientific basis to justify why they were on top. So survival of the fittest is controversial when it's applied to human society. Survival of the fittest is generally accepted in the business world. Capitalism throws up new businesses all the time, some of which do well and some tank. Some do well for a while and then they fade. It's all about how well they serve their customers' needs compared to others. Marks & Spencer's is a big company that began on a Leeds market store selling things for a penny. It developed a network of retail stores and was very successful all all over this country and some. My mother was a fan and would not have dreamt of buying our underwear from anywhere else. But in recent decades, it's declined. Shoppers felt it was a bit frumpy and a bit less glamorous than the alternatives. The company today is valued at less than half the share price of five years ago. But it's a good example of mutation because during this period of selling fewer jumpers it's been very successful in selling food. At the moment the talk is of having turned a corner and the share price has increased 20% in the past month. So consumer needs throw up new businesses. Businesses form to meet those needs and if they're any good they grow. And when a business has been around for a long time as M&S has with its own company museum, rightly enough in Leeds, then you can see how its fortunes have ebbed and flowed with periods of growth and decline and revival, and in some cases mutation, and with some businesses takeover or even death. No, I am not asking the church to copy M&S. I'm asking you to see that just as the economy is a sorting mechanism for good and bad companies, There must be a similar sorting process for religions, testing them and rewarding those that deliver whilst punishing those that don't. I'm not asking church to be more like a business or more consumerist. I remember an interview with a brilliant inner-city parish priest who was asked quite innocently, why do you use incense in your services? And she shot back with a brilliant answer. She said... I use incense because you can't buy it in Marks and Spencers. Yes, that wise priest understood 
we are playing a very different game. We can't just copy business. What I'm asking us is to see that just as capitalism weighs and sorts businesses in which only the fittest survive for very long, there is something similar going on with religion. The human animal needs food and clothes and shelter and businesses rise and fall insofar as they help us fulfil those needs. The human animal is a spiritual animal, we say made in the image of God, and religions and denominations within those religions come along and try to serve our spiritual needs. They're born all the time. Some thrive, some don't. Some thrive for a while and then tank. Every graph shape you can think of. Evolution is cruel, and the test it puts every species through is brutal. Religion, no less. Those that no longer meet people's needs fade away. But Christianity has met our needs before and is thriving in many new places where people can see it offers something really good. I don't think I see a divine rescue plan dropping down from the sky anytime soon. But I can see the Christian church competing with humanism and the best of them for our heads and hearts in the next century. That's the dream, but the reality just now feels very different. After 500 years of decline, am I really speaking out of turn when I ask, can we look at our fitness, please? Can we take a long, hard look in the mirror and ask what we're doing wrong? As Church Ahead comes towards its first anniversary, I hope you can see that we're doing our best to be really honest about this. For Lent, we're going to look at the big Easter beliefs at the very centre of our faith. Next year, we will look at resurrection. This Lent, we're going to examine the death of Jesus Christ. In evolutionary terms, does it reassure us about the fitness of the Christian faith? The way I prefer to put the question is like this. Does it work? How well does this big belief work in the 21st century? When we looked at church as a restaurant, I warned you that I would not be content to talk about the mood music or the interior decoration. I want to look at the food. I want to look ruthlessly at the heart of the Christian religion. So what's our sorting mechanism for weighing how fit our religion really is? Charles Darwin had tiny Pacific islands where he could compare subtle differences in bird life. Capitalism has a stock market to weigh which companies are worth investing in. What does Church Ahead have? Let me introduce you to our bus passengers. They are people on a journey. It's a literal journey. They are sat on a bus seat on their way to somewhere and they're on a spiritual journey. And we're going to ask them, how much help does the Christian belief give them? These people are going to help us see whether the Christian beliefs work. Or in evolutionary terms, how fit is our faith? I want to introduce you to our first bus passenger. Maria is a waitress in Dallas, Texas. She gets on the bus this morning slightly tearful as she looks at the ground. 
This 30-year-old single mother found out just as she was leaving her trailer home this morning some really bad news. She got a message from her sister back in Mexico that their mother had lost her battle with breast cancer and died in the night. Going home, which is what she would really want to do this morning, is out of the question. She knows the real question is this. When she gets off that bus and walks into the restaurant for the lunch shift, will she have composed herself enough to get through the shift? Or will the boss say, Go home, you can't serve customers here looking like that. She's got... 20 minutes on this bus to gather herself and get herself ready for work. She can't afford to miss this work, but she feels overwhelmed with grief. She's never known grief like this before. Now Maria goes to a big Mexican-speaking Pentecostal church and they've just had a series of sermons about the resurrection of Jesus. Some of her favourite songs at church are about the resurrection. She knows the resurrection stories fairly well. And my question is this. Will Maria's belief in the resurrection of Jesus help her? Will 20 minutes of prayer to her risen Lord get her into a state to survive today? When you're crippled with grief, then how much use is the resurrection? We'll let Maria go because we're not looking at the resurrection this year. That's Lent 2024. God bless you, Maria. We'll come back to you next year. This Lent 2023, we're looking at the death of Jesus Christ. Does it work? Is it fit? Meet our bus passenger, Brian. He's got a really good job as a solicitor in London. He's on the bus home after seeing an old friend for coffee in town. Brian is still single at 40 and he's had a fairly comfortable and conventional life. But one of his best friends has just dropped a bombshell on Brian without realising it. This old university friend over a coffee has told Brian that one of their college friends has just taken her own life. This friend thought they were sharing a bit of social news without realising how this would devastate Brian. What the friend doesn't realise is that Brian had a passionate relationship with Samantha, who, like him, was a very devout Christian. They were in denial about the sexual intimacy between them. Samantha got pregnant Samantha was an active member of a pro-life campaigning group. Brian put a lot of pressure on Samantha to have an abortion. In the end, she gave in and did it. But she never talked to Brian again. So Brian is sat on the bus, looking out of the window into the middle distance. Brian asks himself, What have I done to that poor girl? He's so full of horror of this that he misses his bus stop. He just sits there on the upper deck, sat in a window seat, halfway down the bus, staring into the distance. As the bus goes past his house, all the way to the terminus, and then comes back the other way. Will Brian ever get off that bus? 
will he ever learn to live with himself? Brian and one or two other bus passengers are going to help us look at big belief number one for Lent 2023, the death of Jesus Christ. Does this belief work? Is it fit? Thank you for listening to episode 42. That's the end of our series about evolution. Please join us next time for the Lent series. Thank you.